Welcome. This is season three of The Daily Marketer, where we've decided to do something a little special. Earlier this year, startup junkie and marketplace master Ty Wolf Jones, hey Ty, approached me and pitched us the idea of instead of interviewing founders and marketers, why don't we dive into the world of marketplaces, the VH1 behind the music of marketplaces, or what is the making of the sausage of a marketplace? Ty could bring the operations point of view, and I could bring the marketing point of view, and we could make some marketplace magic, or maybe a little more like marketplace mayhem. So join us for the series where we've spoken to over a dozen marketplace leaders and pioneers from Uber, Convoy, Bellhop, DoorDash, Rover, but also some rising stars and marketplaces from multiple countries, venture capitalists, and more. You're not going to want to miss an episode. So another thing I want to talk about here a little bit is using the business, I guess, strategy of a marketplace place. Obviously, it worked out in the way that you did this with the tweet and the in the early days of the pandemic. Had you always planned for it to be a marketplace? Was it ever, was there a thought of like maybe providing a SaaS tool set that that's all you become or hiring teachers or hiring educators right from the beginning, you know, to, to kind of go after these other incumbents in the industry? Why did you choose marketplace? Why did you land on that? Had you always thought about that as a strategy? Yeah, you know, it's so interesting. And there's been Probably for every iteration that we've had, you know, we've been live in market for almost year, 11 and a half months now Okay, um, with our schools, you know, aside from the matching that was done early, but are actually like the the MVP of the, of the technology. And I remember like early on, I guess to answer your question, we, we did always set out to be a marketplace, but I remember early on, I would say that we were like a very, very, very light, lightly managed marketplace where you could almost call us like, a, you know, it was the question of, are we a platform or a marketplace? And we were, mm. always felt like we were kind of figuring out which one we were. And actually, at some point, I, I love your, you two are such experts in this field, you know. And then I think now where we've ended is like a very managed marketplace to the point where, nice. where I think some people wouldn't even consider us a marketplace anymore. They might think we look a little bit more like somebody the recently SAS. called us like Apple or... Um, mm. Starbucks. But the idea that we are bringing in, you know, both supply and demand. And then on the back end, the question has just always been, how do we best support the educators? Because, you know, churn in this industry is, you know, industry-wide is 50% for educators. Mm. And, you know, at the highest quality programs, it's 30%. And so that's one of the biggest variables that we knew we needed to to figure out how, you know, to change in order to like actually make this, this actually to change the industry. The churn was one of the biggest. um, And why is it so high? I think under, you know, very generally, I would say undervalued and underpaid, you know, a lot of people who work in early childhood education are paid minimum wage with no benefits. And, you know, that's kind of been the standard for, for quite a while. So you'll see people enter, you know, I think maybe in some, in some ways it's similar to some restaurant type jobs in the past where you Mm -hmm. might work there thinking this is a stepping stone for something else. Um, Mm -hmm. But we want to change that. We want this to be, we want them to be fully supported. We want people who like working with kids, who love working with kids, that they get to do it. And this gets to be a profession, you know, this can be a profession and um, potentially even if they want to use their own space to host a class. So that was, you know, one of the sort of underlying focus areas when we started weekdays. You know, it's interesting going back to like choosing the marketplace. I feel like marketplaces are a pretty powerful tool when you think about access. 
right? You mentioned earlier the childhood, child, childcare deserts, right? And having these areas where, you know, 50% of the country doesn't have even access to this and providing a marketplace where you can quickly match, you know, supply and demand usually opens that up. But to your other problem or question or thought of quality, as soon as you open up that access and, and you spread out, right? Like how do you manage quality, right? And I think in childcare development or childcare in general, right? Quality has always been a big concern. Um, and it's what people usually go, if you're in those areas where you're paying exorbitant amounts for childcare, you're interviewing on all these things. Of what does my child get for these other places? Others, it's just, can I drop my kid off somewhere safely and have them taken care of by someone who loves them or cares for them? How are you thinking about that? Providing this kind of broad access with your marketplace, but you now you're thinking a lot about quality. I mean, you just, you you basically just answered that question for me. <laughs> you know, I think it's something we're still learning a lot about, but we don't want to sacrifice on quality. We want to be the best programs in the neighborhood. And we want educators yeah. to feel fully supported and happy in their positions. And so it's really figuring out how do we build tools around that? You know, like I think the curriculum that we have that is via text message, that's that's specifically developed based on feedback that we've had from educators during Maker Week, for instance, all of our schools celebrate Maker Week at the same week. They share with each other the ideas that they're coming to life. And it creates this community that I think means more to them in some ways than the pay does. And so, um, when you know, being a, a service to the community and helping children and parents and then also themselves feeling community are really kind of two of the motivators beyond good pay that motivates and, you know, keeps educators in this profession in early childhood education. So we've been trying to just iterate on that. And when you, when you start with that, then the quality, you know, that's kind of the, the nucleus of then the quality emanates from that, from, from hiring really great educators and then giving them um, basic curriculum that they can follow a community and then all of the business and tech platforms. So they don't have to do any of that. Yeah, take all the hassle and, and and make it super easy for them. I think this thing around community is a powerful one for a lot of lot of reasons. You know, I I think about you know the the and I hate to say this in a, I'm not saying this in directory, but a less skilled marketplace where you don't need a lot of stuff, they still hunger to know there are other drivers, other people who are doing this, right? But in a skilled marketplace where these people have to be good at what they do, and I've now been able to be a part of a couple of these, you do start to think that like the holy grail to some degree here is them supporting each other, right? Them trading knowledge, them, you know, making each other better. Um, to your point, it, it fulfills a need. We all want to get better. We all want to feel like we're developing in our career and our, and our choices. And that makes it a career, right? If you do it that way, but it also creates this cohesiveness that is uh, missing in a lot of these uh, bigger marketplace style companies. Yeah, yeah. Super, super interesting. It's interesting too, because I mean, similar to probably what, what both of you had to do at different points in your career, there was so much of this in the beginning that wasn't scalable, you know? Yeah. So I remember like learning that insight took getting 20 educators in a room together where I kicked <laughs> off the meeting and then I didn't say anything else for most of the meeting. <laughs> nice. Because nice. I listened to what are they Very sharing? Nice. What, how, what yeah, are they getting sure. from this? And like, sure. wow, we need to, we need to support this. <laughs> Yeah, 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 that's awesome. 
Well, the other thing that makes me think about the other holy grail of a marketplace is finding that flywheel, right? And and we've been talking a lot about what the pandemic did for you guys where it kicked this off. But would you define that as like what you experienced these last 18 months as part of your flywheel? Or are you still... Are you still kind of, you said you also shrunk some of your efforts down or you focused in, you try to figure out where to focus. Are you still trying to find that? Or did you, do you feel like this kind of kicked off a piece of what is or will be your flywheel? What a great question. I think that there's so much that happened during the pandemic that was really, really hard to determine how much of this is the actual flywheel that we're going to use after the pandemic. I mean, at the high level, we're learning a lot that can, that can translate, but then under the hood, I mean, Will these set of things still be true? Will these set of things, I'm pretty sure they're going to be different, you know? So while it was so many great tailwinds, it was also a whole lot of like, you know, you're an investigator trying to figure out like, (laughs) is this going to change soon? Yeah. (laughs) So I think really, you know, it kind of goes back to the, a lot of the things that when we launched, you know, initially thinking about weekdays, it was like place, like let's launch in childcare deserts, um, one of the things we learned is if we can launch in neighborhoods adjacent to Bright Horizons, that's actually interesting because people from Bright Horizons like to work for weekdays. Nice, so there's nice. there's kind of, you know, we kind of learned some of like, who's our customer? Where It's also um, former nannies that we can train and, you know, who have experience in childcare, but learn need to learn the pedagogy or need to kind of learn a little bit of the research behind um you know, how children learn and get up to speed in that. And then they're kind of, you know, it's perfect for them. And then a lot of stay-at-home parents. So that was, those are kind of the three, the three people. So it was childcare desert, um, where those educators are, you know, matching those two as far as place. Price, we started just, you know, we weren't sure. So we started just below uh, market rate in neighborhoods. Market rate meaning what the centers were charging. Mm. We have small classes and personalized learning and incredible educators. So then we realized pretty quick, we can go right up to market rate. And then we're still seeing like these wait lists that are a year long in some of our areas. So then we're like, okay, we can set, you know, we can, we we can, we can basically go higher than that. And, you know, and then still, you know, look at accepting subsidies and and being able to be accessible for those who who can't afford that rate. Mm -hmm. So that was an interesting one because I wasn't sure where we'd be on, you know, maybe it's obvious now, but I wasn't sure where we'd be on that, given that these are in-home programs. So I thought that you would think they would need to be less than, you know, what you might get in the center. So that's, that's price product. we're, We're very focused on quality. So again, like, you know, it. When you walk into a weekdays program, you do see the same things. You experience the same text messages. Mm. You have a virtual tour before you go on site. There's a lot of things that are look and feel much different than a lot of the other programs. And those are things that you'll, that'll be consistent across programs. And then just this, this different experience with delighting parents. So we realized that when those things happen, then we start to see referrals and that flywheel takes off where, you know, we build the wait list. And we kind of get mm-hmm. what we need in the neighborhood. And then other educators in those neighborhoods want to open programs. And then all of a sudden we've got, you know, a, a network of micro classes within a neighborhood. Do wait lists entice other educators? Is that their big hang up? Do they do that? Are they question like what, why, why is this a hard decision for an educator to switch to something like this model? It's hard for some to think about, uh, fee- you know what I think hasn't worked 
for some others in this industry, which I've watched, is that this idea that we thought that educators would want to start their own businesses. Like, of course, they're going to want to start their own businesses. Like, wouldn't anybody, you know, you're, there's all these terms, you know, boss babe, or, you know, like, there's all these things that you hear. And actually, like, that's not what they ever set out to do. And it's not like they, they one day wake up and go, I can't wait to start a business for most right. of them. Right, right. They, yeah. they love the idea of leading a class, though, with full nice. support. And so that's nice. kind of where we learn not only from what we were hearing from educators, but also by watching others in this industry and what didn't work well for them. And so we, um, we, we basically have a training program. We have, um, nice. you know, a benefit package, you know, package. We like, we have ways that we support them so they can think about this as a long-term position, but we didn't start out that way. We started out with this very lightly managed marketplace and kind of ha- have, have come into that. So I think the biggest, we've tried to overcome those bigger hurdles when some mm-hmm. of them in the beginning, it was like, well, I need benefits, you know, or I need mm. one of the things we do is we, we pay part of their um, comp is rent for their space. So we mm. can actually, you know, it's, it's a designated space for the micro class. These are all kind of learnings that we had, but I think um, the space one, I would say is one of the bigger, the bigger things that we talk about with some educators who don't, you know, it's, they want to do it, but they're like, Will my space right. work? Interesting. You know, how do I think yeah, about yeah. this? Yeah. yeah. And so, have you figured that out? Are they? Can they get benefits? Uh, can your Can your educators are they Are they independent contractors? How How are you handling your educator groups now? Yeah. So we we have both um, educators who are independent contractors and employees, and we started out with independent contractors and have moved um, over to um, employees more recently. But we right now we do support both. And I think really one of the reasons we moved over to a, a more managed model is because of um, training and benefits. Mm-hmm. And when we think about the workforce and the experience and the fact that like, you know, safety is number one, um, we need to be able to make sure that we, they're fully supported with safety and, and safety training. Nice. So. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I didn't think about that, but there's a lot of, you know, things to watch out for, I'm assuming. I, you know, I learned this briefly and I don't even think Jacob and I have talked about this, but Rover, you know, has that kind of, uh, in their marketplace, it seems really cool until someone's dog runs away when they're being dog set, you know, and then suddenly you have all of these safety and concerns, right? Um, I'm sure there's lots of things that have to be thought about um, in this scenario. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really that, you know, at the beginning that was, I would say one of the things that we that we did a lot of research on before launching, you know, before even really? coming out of Madrona Venture Labs and launching weekdays on what does that what does that look like and who who are we willing to accept as educators given the industry that that we're in, you know, and, I, and yeah. probably, yeah. it's probably one of the reasons why this industry has been still has still been so broken is because it's mm. it's one of the most important things that you're gonna you know leave your child with somebody else during the day and so yeah. Yeah, I so there's this book. It's called Platform Scale by Sanjit Chaudhary, and I, I'll include the link in the show notes. But it's it's all about building a, a marketplace, and he breaks it down to the science. He has these great examples, and he talks about ways to move a car is like how you scale something. And he said there's two ways you can move a car. To use that analogy, one you can push the car. So let's say we we get a car and we we we're gonna hit the bumper and we just push it forward and the marketing elements that he talks about there is paid marketing. Maybe there's some great PR, some some great press, and that that can get you 
some distance. And then the other way to move a car is to build an engine, to build a, a, a great engine. And that to me is really, it's two things. It's, it's one, it's building a great product. And it seems like with these features you've been adding in, that's, it's really doing that. And it's uh, putting color uh, and parts to this, to this engine. And then two is some elements of like partner marketing. You mentioned the partnership, was it with Kindercare, the one that's kind of a competitor, right? And them starting programs. What was the name of the of, of the company? Bright, oh, Bright Horizons. Bright Horizons. So I, I, that's kind of could be considered evolved into a, a form of partner marketing. And then two is is referral. You mentioned that, and then that that accelerates the flywheel. And and I bring this all up because I guess the question is, what is the scaling plan? I we saw the whole founding families feature, which if you don't mind, it'd be great to to explain that for the audience. But I thought that was really clever. Very honestly, it was, it's, it's yeah. kind of brilliant. So, what is Founding Families, and then what's the scaling plan? Yeah, so Founding Family was really a way to entice anyone who was maybe came to the website, looked in their area, and didn't see a program yet to um, make it really easy for them to jump in and um, you know potentially share this with their neighbors or their community and get a you know small pod of even three or four kids um, together. You know, the interesting thing about these home-based programs is they can be break-even at just three kids, depending on the expenses per program. Sometimes it's four. So as long as you have enrollments, um, you actually can run, you know, a pretty great program and pay educators, you know, 20, 30% more than they would be making at a preschool. So um, that was, yeah, that was kind of the, the, it was like, it was also the kind of the question, and you know, both of you have probably experienced this is like, where are the dead ends on your website? Like, where do customers go and then just leave because there's nothing for them to do? And so we kind of looked at like, where are people abandoning? And we realized there's an incredible opportunity here. If they don't see what they're looking for, could we ask them to help? Could we ask them to create, you know, create their own community that we can support with our tech platform? So that's a founding family. Yeah, sign that's up a as a founding family. Nice. Yeah. I like that. I like the name and everything. It has a sense of importance and and helping and starting. Um, yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. In the founding family, they they can not only be a we'll call it demand a customer of bringing their kids to this form of education, but they can also be a, a an educator. Is is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. They yes, and that happened quite a bit, especially during the pandemic, where parents jumped in and led pods and, you know, helped with remote schooling for, you know, cause we supported quite a few elementary age, just the tech platform supported quite a few elementary age programs. And, um, in that case, you know, it was quite a mix. I mean, as long as it was a home-based program and they had space, you know, they could use our tech platform for, you know, um, after we launched for payments, um, to recruit others in their neighborhood. And then it was sort of, in those cases, it was their programs. They just used the technology. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great one, use of virality. Yeah. One thing that's kind of um, interesting about the building an engine metaphor is I think one of the, which might be kind of interesting to this question, is one of the most interesting things that we did was form um, an early partnership with Ada Developers Academy. So they're um, actually a nonprofit in Seattle that just won a huge grant from... Um, Pivotal Ventures, which is Melinda Gates, and they are a coding school for women um, and, and a gender gender fluid adults. 
And so what they wanted to do was support their parents by subsidizing neighborhood care. And they also launched a micro class in their in their building that we support. So wow. we both have a subsidized class inside their location that we operate, as well as their subsidizing weekdays programs in neighborhoods. And so when we talk about, you know, I think, Jacob, what you're saying is exactly the way that we've kind of our business has been evolving is if we can partner with these, you know, small, mid-sized companies and we can, you know, essentially get some children within a neighborhood, you know, several in a neighborhood ready to go, we can spin up as soon as we find an educator. I mean, the program can spin up within several weeks because we have that, you know, that onboarding is now, you know, pretty quick. Um, the safety, the background checks, but I mean, it's, it's sort of, you know, Ty, you're, you're the expert in this, <laughs> but we have that, you know, that playbook down. So nice. when we can get some of these subsidized and by non, you know, in this case, it's a nonprofit, but by other businesses, it becomes a really interesting new model where before you might've had a school attached to your, you know, Starbucks, you might have had a, mm. a, a big school attached to your HQ and now it's focused on neighborhood programs. And so how can we help parents by getting those Very subsidized? Cool. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. So, and how do you get more customers when, because you're right, in, in the pandemic, we're operating a little bit of a vacuum. That could be a great vacuum or a, a, a bad vacuum. How do you think you're going to get more customers and potential educators too? Yeah, so really these business partnerships have been great mm-hmm. for us because in some cases we've had a couple students in an area already ready to go, then we can put, you know, essentially feelers out within that neighborhood for educators, quickly, you know, vet them, which, you know, that part still manuals the the interview process, but the rest of it, then the, the playbook of getting them up and going and is, is fairly quick. So that's, that's really, when we think about scale, that's one that makes it pretty interesting to think about Childcare deserts, and then paired with these business partnerships. We also have uh, are in talks. We've had we've been approached by Bright Horizons for supporting some of their programs because we do have this quality bar. Mm. So I think the partnerships angle, you know, has really come to life as a really interesting one for us. I think in the beginning of a startup, you think, oh, partnerships are going to be great, and everybody kind of has that in their slide deck. But you have so much to learn on if that's actually right. feasible. Does it come to life? What are the financials? You know, so now we have some of those hard numbers, which is great. That's incredible. Yeah. Partnerships underrated for sure. I, I think there's so much complexity with it too. I so I, I left Assurance. I work now at Impact and I'm involved in building a marketplace that matches online publishers and influencers and it could be organizations too with brands and it's it's creating partnerships there so i i'm i think a lot about partnerships the past you know 10 days yeah that's great yeah like you said there's a lot of complexity it's the holy grail or or it's always on the slide deck as like a we're gonna get here where we're gonna talk to starbucks and they're gonna give us all these families and it's like yeah but the complexities that that has to happen for that to to get there yeah Pretty yeah, intricacies. Sometimes, yeah, great. yeah. So, Shana, are you ready for the rapid mayhem questions? Oh my gosh, I hope so. Okay, answer the first thing that comes to your mind. All right, and it's okay if you take take some time too. They don't have to be so rapid. More mayhem. All right, what marketplace would Shana be? Oh gosh, I would be uh, an Airbnb for tree houses. Ooh, oh, damn, that's a cool one. Yeah. 
What's a marketplace? Ooh, or maybe like maybe something about um, orca and bird watching. Oh wow! I have to think about that one, but <laughs> super cool. Maybe it's like gathering images together of the orcas and whales, right? Because it's sort of catch them of a marketplace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a little bit of work, more work to do on that one. Yeah. What's a marketplace <laughs> you like that is not so popular or well-known? Oh, gosh. I think all the ones I can think of are fairly well-known. Um, I mean, I've been using Etsy a lot lately. And there's like a couple shops on there like i bought this cloud this light that is basically like a giant fluffy cloud that takes Ooh. up like a oh i've seen that thing room yeah i don't know how oh. long it'll be exciting for but right now it's like magical it is. <laughs> so and it I lights think, up pink right or you yeah it color. changes colors or you can yeah. just make it like like a regular cloud yeah ty i'll link it i'll link in the show notes for you i like it thank you <laughs> Shana, what's your what's your favorite marketplace that failed? Oh gosh, that failed. Okay, so I think I've got a few of these. And um, one of them was Sidecar. Do you remember Sidecar was mm-hmm. before Uber and Lyft? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And and do you remember how it started? It was nope. like uh, it was um essentially like I am going from Seattle to Idaho. And who else is going? Cuz I can I jump in your car? So it started with like these longer, you know, almost Brew like um marketplace. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. yeah. And then yeah. of course, like Uber and Lyft come along and, you know, pretty soon it's not around anymore, which yeah. they paved the way though, I think. They definitely paved the way. And what a lot of people don't know is they were ahead of all of them on the feature base. So their tech yeah. and their product was super cool. They were, it was super smart. Drivers used to use, when they would start to use multiple apps, they would use Uber or Lyft to like make money. And then they would drop a sidecar in because they could say, I want a sidecar to go south because I live south. I want it to be the last ride of my day or night or whatever. And they would say, I will only want a ride that's going south. And sidecar was the only tech out there. Um, and even Uber and Lyft doesn't necessarily do this at all that great, I would argue, for drivers yet. Um, sidecar did that early, early on. Super cool product. Okay. Wait, I've got two more that I that okay, I, cool. I, I bet you, you all know about. This was one that was before Airbnb, and I'm blanking on the name, where you would switch homes with a family. So you would go, wow. you would go, we went and we, we stayed in... Um, in France and a family, we did this when I was in high school and a family came and stayed in our house in West Seattle. And I remember thinking, this is the coolest thing ever. Cause we're living in a neighborhood for like three months yeah. and they Super get to cool. ha- use, you know, I think they even used our car, but wow. I, I, I don't think that's around anymore. Um, but now Airbnb, you know, you know, kind of has taken over a lot of that market. And then the other one, the last one I'll mention, which I used this one and I loved it. It was the one, and again, I can't remember the name of this one, but it, you would drive somewhere that the app would know when you got there and you have your own private valet. So you just kind of throw the keys to them. They take your car and they go park it. And then later... Zerks? Was it Zerks or something? It was some weird name like that, I kind yeah, of feel like. It was, it was a, a, a different name, but it had it was like, you know, for a little while, it was this hot startup. Yeah. It was probably 2014, 2013. Yeah. And they had a ton of money and, you know, were in multiple cities and now they're not around anymore. But I thought it was so cool because you could, you could, they could meet you anywhere with your car and you don't have to worry about parking. Right. 
and they could just post people up that would run. I remember I did it like twice. I feel like I got a, yeah. a free deal on it. And I did it like twice and I didn't, but yeah, they, they would have people that would like run to you. Like they'd be sitting in a coffee shop and they would run over. They'd come show running up to your car. It was super cool. I remember. Totally You're like, I'm ready. They were, totally were, <laughs> but they were like, but it was like that valet experience, you know, at a really nice restaurant. Like the valets are always rushing around. It was like, these guys were the same way. I totally remember that. Yeah. I think I have a local marketplace that failed. It was called Flyby, F-L-Y-B-U-Y. And they did oh, the, wow. the last little distance from, it was for Uber Eats. Like, say I, I pulled to the Jimmy Johnson, I'm an Uber Eats driver. And it would be like the delivery to the door or pickup from the Jimmy Johns to the car. Like that little distance to save the time. Really small of a very of an activity niche. of a very niche, but I'm like, oh, I love the name. You know, I, I think there's a need for that, but I don't think anyone's thinking about like, all right, we need to. I need to cover that 20 feet. There's no way I can get it. But maybe for people that are like disabled or elderly, sure, sure. maybe that's awesome, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that's a very a very unique one. A very yeah. Unique. yeah. yeah. Okay, last last rapid mayhem question. Uh, what's a marketplace that doesn't exist yet, but it totally should? Okay, this one is, I feel like it exists in a lot of different ways, but like hasn't solved the problem yet is home repair. Because mm. uh, if I need something done on my house, it's like I, I contact somebody, then they sell my my name to somebody else. I've got somebody mm. else calling me. And then I go on Nextdoor and I post on Nextdoor, it, it, you know, or Facebook yeah. groups. I haven't been able to figure out like, there's a carpenter in my neighborhood who maybe is retired or has extra time. How do I, you know, fill in his time if I'm flexible? Let's say I'm flexible with my job. It has to happen sometime in the next two months. And there's just somebody I can hire more of like a handyman. I don't need like a, a major, you know, right. contractor. And I feel like, yeah. yeah. I, I just feel like I don't know why. I don't know enough about this particular segment. And I don't know why I feel like this problem hasn't really been solved yet, but it just seems right. like, and, you know, now you have like other, other sort of tangential ones where you can like share tools within neighborhoods and, <laughs> right, right. you know, and those are really cool too, but like something, why, why isn't like organize this and just help yeah, more people yeah. and Yeah. I yeah. totally agree. Like there are different ways that are tra- that have like touched on it, but no one feels like they've solved it. No, it just doesn't feel, so it doesn't feel easy. So it's yeah. easy. I agree with you. Task rabbit touches it, it a little bit. Yeah. Right, thumbtack. Well, and Porsche tried, right, and Pro.com and Angie and Angie's, you know, still probably the biggest one out there. But again, they've it's not very, very different tactics. Each one of them took very different strategies and tactics. And and you didn't mention any of those, right? Like you didn't go to any of those because they don't pop up. They're not, they're not solving the problem. Yeah, well, I just did. I, I've been a fan of Porch, and so I tried them. But mm. everybody who's come out to bid on these small projects have told me that my project's too small. So I'm oh. like, well, who can you recommend? Mm. You know, right, and, right. You know, it's probably like a three day. This most recent one, it's a three day project. It's like replacing, you know, repairing some siding, and yeah. the, everybody who comes out wants to do all of the siding. Otherwise, they won't take the job. <laughs> So it's like, there's got to be somebody in my neighborhood I can hire, you know? Right, exactly. Yeah. This is the this is yeah. blue ocean right here. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> someone yeah. wants to do like $300 projects, <laughs> they do a, make a pretty nice living doing it, right? Well, that's the interesting thing is if someone just started out solving these like small to mediums, like don't, don't mm. try to do everything at once, you know? Mm-hmm. The flybys of the world. <laughs> yeah. 
the the, f- the foot in the door of the Trojan horse. Yeah. I don't know if anyone's doing the flyby, man. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, flyby. Please don't listen to. Uh, yeah, exactly. Sorry, flyby. I don't get it yet. So it's like drones, repair drones. Is that oh, it? Ooh, there you drones. go. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm I'm with that. Shauna, what's the next big step change in marketplaces? What what mayhem is coming? Well. I mean, I, you know, I, ha- I, I was, I've been a fan of Clubhouse through the pandemic. I know, <laughs> I know like there's people who both like it and don't like it now. And, but I mean, I think it's been really interesting to think about community via Clubhouse. And so part of that really has led me into thinking more about voice and the future of voice and what that looks like. Mm. And you know, honestly, part of it, I would say too, impacts um, learning, you know, especially when we think about early childhood mm. learning and what voice can do is, is super interesting. So I think, you know, something within voice is going to be interesting to watch. I think kind of augmented reality, you know, will be interesting when you think about like e-commerce. What do you mean by voice? You mean like voice activated? Yeah. You know, I mean, I just think like there's so many, I think we're just at the beginning of what it's going to, to continue to look like. And I, and it, and I don't even know that I have a good grasp on, on how it's going to evolve or specifically within the marketplace realm, but I just feel like it sort of feels like early in something that's going to continue to evolve. Yeah, I agree. Interesting you call that out because of podcasts, right? Like podcasts have blown up, Clubhouse blew up, and they were all voice based. And so it's like we've gone back, you know, we went video, and to your point, now there's even this like VR, AR, how do we look at that? But then there's also a tiny bit of this reversion of, no, I just want to listen to someone's voice or I want to interact via voice clubhouse really, you know, just exploded because of just being able to listen to people talk and having people talk and, and, and it kind of like scratched that podcast itch live, right? It was this live version of be part of the conversation. Um, yeah, I think it's an interesting observation. Totally. I I have no idea where it's going either, but I, I definitely think it's super interesting. Yeah, it reminds me of something that I remember thinking was a really interesting idea that came up at, at, that somebody else was pitching at Madrona, which is essentially a mentorship model where college college students who are interested in a field could pay to be matched with someone who was in that field for you know specify some kind of um, essentially some kind of a mentorship, whether it was a one time thing or you know over a couple you know three sessions over a month or something. And I remember thinking the impact of that was really, really interesting. Because if you've ever asked for help as a college student, you know, and then you didn't hear back from people, or I remember I reached out to multiple people on LinkedIn and never got a response. But the idea that like somebody's invested in you and you're you, maybe, you know, there's a, a mutual exchange, but the idea of that happening over voice where it's just easier than mm. video, you know, you know, so I think there's something, something in that realm that, that could be interesting, whether it's education or mentorship or, um, but. Yeah, voice is something, I, something I, communicating, com- community building, community based. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I also think like, what if there is a marketplace, and there probably there probably are multiple. But like, when you think about the emergence of AI and AI tools, and like for instance, like what if I could go on and get like there's a chatbot marketplace where I could find one that like fits our tone and voice, and I could tailor it, and it would be like <laughs> this experience for my startup. I feel like there's there's something there with like personalized uh, under the personalized marketing lens of of tools. I don't know what that's it cool. is exactly. But. Yeah, but that's cool. No, I like that. Yeah, there's someone on the show last week said they marketplace for like making wishes come true. 
And I think Ooh. some of that stuff could be like the matching of it could be done through AI or like even like completing of those things can be done through AI. So like maybe that's the the, the marriage of those two marketplace ideas. Bam. I Bam. I like that one better. Make your wishes come true. <laughs> Pretty good one. Yeah. Way better than flyby. <laughs> All Forget right. drone repair. I mean, yeah, <laughs> this is the roast of flyby. Episode sixty-two. <laughs> Shana, where, where can we find you? And do you have any ask lines before before we go? Oh gosh, okay. You can find me. Um, I'm at Shauna Kazi on Twitter, and I, I, I tend to use Twitter a decent amount. And then great Twitter. Our website is Join Weekdays. Joinweekdays.com. Are you on Clubhouse? Do you have Clubhouse? Oh, I'm talks? on Clubhouse. Cool. <laughs> yeah. okay, cool. I, I I actually host a um, VC and investor room every day during lunch uh, with a few nice. other investors and VCs, and so we've been doing that room for a year, which sounds kind of wild. But I've been eating lunch in that room and talking wow. to other founders and investors. Very cool. Very cool. Dang, I need to get on Clubhouse. I I had not heard about it till this conversation. So really, wow. yeah, I'm behind. I'm blushing. Okay, we gotta we gotta host a room in the next few days. There you go. Yeah, yeah. this is just the the inception I, of it. Maybe, I've, maybe I've dabbled, but again, I haven't found that hook for me. I have it. I've dabbled. I've listened to some rooms. I haven't found one that I would go to regularly yet, or why you know one I would join in yet. Um, and I'm a bit like that. I'm a lurker a lot of times. Like I'll listen for a long time before I totally engage, but. I do get the ease of engagement, right? It's it's pretty interesting. And there's a ton of topics, like the amount mm. of stuff you can listen to is pretty interesting. Yeah. I don't know if you two are as old as I am, but like back in the day, you had these chat rooms, like early, early internet where you oh, jump yeah. in and there'd be like interesting things happening. And you're like, what are they talking about? You know, and yeah. you're lurking. Yeah. Like I always felt like totally. I was lurking in those rooms. And totally. yeah. The a- so AOL chat rooms, the, f- <laughs> the, f- the freebie chat rooms. Yeah, those are, those are sweet. <laughs> Shauna, this has been so fun. It really, this this might be my favorite episode so far. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was great. Great having you. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. It was, uh, yeah, it was really fun to be on. And I'm, I'm, I can't wait to listen to your other episodes. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Appreciate it. Thanks again, Shauna. All right. Talk Thanks. to you soon. Bye. All right. Bye. Ciao. What a phenomenal episode, huh, Ty? Yeah, that was great. And we really hope that you got as much out of it, listening to it as we did making it. Thank you for listening. Yes, I second that. Thank you. And don't forget, you can like and subscribe if you wish. We'd rather hear of your thoughts. So tell us what you think of the episode and leave a review, please. Mayhem on, Ty. Yeah, mayhem on, Jacob. (laughs) 